0: TREASURE OF THE ANCIENT KING PART ONE THE FORGOTTEN PRINCE Chapter 7 Rabran paced towards a window, where a single candle was burning, to stare at it thoughtfully. In the days leading up to this moment, we'd been watching each other's backs at every step, waiting for an ambush, he said, swaying his fingers through the smoke that followed the flame. But we were just toys in the dragon's game. When the time came, its hour would be wholly at its choosing. Even the minutes we'd seized from him, letting us free her ladyship from his nest, were likely a ploy, a kind of bait, to catch us wrong-footed. The mind boggles at how these sane, savvy young men convinced themselves to amble into such a snake pit. But we'd a steady faith that the prince had his reasons. Faith that he'd an idea in his head how to avoid our certain death. Rabran turned and placed two palms down flat on the table. Knew this were the stage. The castle keep was a circle, dented with battlements. On our right was a crumbling stairwell to the lower floors, gouged out of its middle. On our left was the dragon's nest. It was near to the single turret that poked out above the top of the main wall. This keep was plenty spacious for a pitch battle. Broad enough, indeed, so it could have housed three or four wagons, placed wheel to wheel across its diameter. So then, when the beast landed on its far side, it allowed us a distance of 20 to 30 feet, maybe, to separate us from the dragon. Aye, someone watching me had called it a comic scene, see, taking us for a porcupine, challenging a lion. For we'd arranged ourselves side by side with a halberd up the front, and we was crammed so close on top of one another, it took all the discipline we could muster not to step on each other's toes. Stepwise, we approached. The dragon sat up on its haunches merrily enough. He were perched on the far walk with the sun behind him, and his tail were hugging one of the balance. He turned his pointy face away and twisted his neck, sniffing offishly as if he'd just smelt a casket of rotting fish. A snooty devil, Rabran spurted out angrily, his eyes transfixed on a point above our heads, an invisible vision of the mythical beast hovering at the back of the room. Then the beast began to speak to us. Men of courage, men of zeal, who dare to prod at flesh of steel, whose arms are cast of softer brass than the metal of thy hearts. Ye must understand, Raburn assured us, momentarily breaking eye contact with his imaginary foe, to inform us of some salient details, that upon the serpent's tongue the dragon's lore is filled with a kind of magic that can't be described purely with me human speech. Aye, see, upon hearing it, one word seeped into the inches of your being. Like a medicine, ye will get no choice whether to drink or not. So strong that it goes straight to your head from the first lick. Me comrades around me, addled by this effect, as indeed was I, were having visions of their weapons bending like knobs of lard on the dragon's hide. A brother on my right-hand side dropped his spear, and I cannot blame it on anything but the dragon's incantation. Hold it together, sonny, I cried out. och, maybe I should have kept quiet and not distracted him. As he looked over to me, he let his shield drop an inch. He let a crack open in a tight formation. Something about the way Rabran's voice slowed down and how these last words rested heavily on his lips, told me his sense of remorse was no invention. I hope you never have to see it. But if you've worked near a smithy furnace, you'll know the signs I'm talking about. The extreme heat, the dull red glow of exposed steel, the wibbly haze like melting air. A moment later, a blast of fiery breath slammed into his chest. Rabran announced solemnly, looking at his own chest, launching him away from the others, leaving our right flank badly exposed. Rabran raised his head again, his eyes glowing with terror. We had prepared for this. We were to swing round and attack with our left, covering our weakness with an offensive manoeuvre. But before we could respond, the dragon's ugly head had swept down to approach the gap in a line we hadn't reckoned on his leopard-like reflexes. Away from the glare of the sun, I could glimpse its eyes. They were all the gleam of hot oil, sizzling in a cast iron pan. Surely, all was lost. Then, thy might is but the shadow of fear, announced the prince, quoting an ancient formula, and seeing the dragon's nearness to be his moment of truth. But the shadow's panic is the mirror, he shouted at Falendir, taking his shield and holding it above his head. With both hands, he pointed a ray of sun directly into the dragon's murky face. Rabran was almost shouting, almost laughing as he recounted the twist. Aha, that got him he did, on we little light. Who angry the beast was, I can tell you, wheel with rage and screeching like a bunch of what? Immediately, the serpent pecked at the shield in Bryonet's hand, forced to it by its own habit and reflex. Genius! This was the chance he'd been waiting for. When the dragon's beak made contact with the shield, it knocked it out of his hands, and the dragon's head darted away from Bryonet's reach. But nigh quick enough that the prince couldn't swipe at the hackles on the beast's neck, slicing them with a sword concealed in his left hand. The dragon roared with horror, deafening us all. "'Och, he ate the swing of the beast, "'nake me but fell over forward, "'several feet from me mark. "'The creature coiled itself up as soon as it were hit. "'Aye, and I could see the cut on its neck, "'and it was not deep, "'but the great Falende's pride had been smarted. "'We cheered our hero, the prince. "'It was sheer ecstasy for this desperate band. Oh, "'What a moment! "'But it was short-lived!' rabran paused for breath. "'He peered down at his glass of beer.' clearly thinking about whether it was time for another sip, but there could be no pause now from the telling. A few seconds later the dragon spoke again, he continued, taking on the shrill voice of the dragon once more. Your mastery of Grafalder's lore is remarkable, O guileful one, he said, straining to stay calm. But I shall not make the same mistake twice. Now, he began to unfurl and sit up, and my comrades instinctively drew toward me on both sides. The tinny clatter of our shields knocking together was a sure sign of the dread we felt, that is. Aye, what we all felt at the prospect of the dragon's second attack. We rose our spears into the air. We was expecting him to launch into our front of the fences like a startled bull, explosive with furious rage. However, instead of that, He arched his back as he continued to extend, twisting back over himself like a snake curling in the sand. Falende's head and torso hinged over his right thigh and slipped down toward our feet. Then he began to whisper threats to us from below, so that the sounds seemed to trickle over our feet like a stream. Perplexed and afraid, we would have retreated there and then. We would have, that is, if it had not been for Brianet grasping us by the arms." Wait for it, you fools, he commanded. If he was going to attack, he would have already done it by now. Hold your ground. Bravo, Brianet, said the dragon, spitting hot air over our faces. You have judged correctly, for now. Yes, that's right, the dragon hissed. I suppose that you have earned a hearing, he conceded, as if he had been persuaded by a game of wits. Rabran rested his voice for a moment and squinted at us, as if he was as surprised by what was happening as we were. Ach, he made no sense at all. If the battle so far was anything to go by, a pack of playing cards had a better chance of forming a resistance against his advances. And at this distance from him, we had no hope of escape, should he at any point change his mind about this lenient arrangement. Go on then, human... Out with it, said Falandir. What is your desire? And the slippery sound of its voice would have made any man of noble spirit wince. I could ask the same of you, dragon, shouted the prince in reply. My willing, of course, to let Falandir set terms of parley. Why do you invade our lands? Why? You and your kind have been banished, he said. What is your desire? This left the dragon mighty riled. Tricksters, he accused. And yet you come to face me with sticks when you could rely on time and magic, prince. It is you from which an account is wanting. You threaten the Lady Frelena, the balance of peace, replied the prince. The dragon laughed that crackling laugh I'd heard from the day before. But this time it was not muted by the fog. It rattled in my ear like a throaty cough. Ha! I will offer you this then, prince. Yes, indeed, I will leave you your lover. If love be your desire, said the dragon. And I will leave you your nation, if your desire be peace. But the ransom price will be... Hmm." The dragon paused. And we weren't in a position to hurry him on. This. First, the treasure of the keep, be it meager, the dragon's voice squealed, and in a most insulting way towards our lady flailina. And second, the price will be the lives of your friends here, so that your cowardice may go no further than this tower. The dragon peered over his own coiled neck with cat-like curiosity at the prince's response to his little deal. Come now, prince. You choose between the death of all and your own demise. What choice of any is that? That it will be done is the word of my promise. You can't argue fairer than that. Bryonette considered the deal for what seemed an eternity. The ultimatum, though it scourged me, seemed irresistibly attractive. We'd nay hope against him. It all seemed clear. The prince was pushing it, even to wait, seeing that the dragon might go back on his promise at any moment. Me lord, it's been an honour to serve ye, I said, kneeling, hoping to make his decision easier. He slapped me across the face. Snap out of it, soldier, you're under the dragon's spell, said Bryanette. He turned the dragon. I have no law to answer yours, Falendir, but the smell of your chalice is still rancid. Forgive me if I do not drink, Brianet spat. I do not question your promise to me, nor do I hope in my own strength. It is quite clear to me that my mortal life is in your hands. No, I cannot argue with your deal, but I can choose to do what is right. And that is what the dragon truly fears. The prince paused to draw breath, then pulled off his helmet again and threw it away, fixing his eye directly on the beasts. Yes, you can kill me, but from the moment your talons grasp my throat and the essence of my life evaporates through your claws, your star will begin to set once again, as all stars do in the light of the sun. Was this not the reason why your kind fled from our lands in the first place, snake? Rejoin your brothers, Falendir on the far side of the earth. Sleep among the lonely caverns, you beast. Rise with the waves of the tempest. Swoop with the vultures of the desert. But mark this, my foe. With this he threw us a sideway glance and lifted his sword as a gesture. We could not see wrongly. You will never call this world of men your home. Never. Not so long as they continue to choose what is right. And the prince yelled the battle cry of the royal order. We will do what is right. His company roared with delight as the words fell upon their ears and as they were bade to set upon the dragon. We will do what is right, we shouted. The serpent's spell was broken, and surely we would have died a thousand deaths before we stopped our surge towards his huge, silvery torso. In immediate response, the dragon reared up and swung his tail at us, taking one man clean off his feet, clipping him on the helmet, and knocking him senseless. As it swung past, I managed to skip off the flying appendage and take a few strides before plunging my blade into his chest. Unfortunately, the flesh was rubbery, and admitted only a few inches of steel, jamming the sword in place and levering it out of my grasp. When the handle came back down it caught me round the elbow, and with the springiness of the sword shaft, it twanged me on the floor flat on my face. Rolling over onto my back, blood pouring from my nose. I had a chance to look up, and see my comrades fighting on where I had fallen. I swelled up with pride to set eye upon three men wrestling on the dragon's face. The Prince was among them. With the ease of a pipe smoker, Falende puffed one attacker off of his nose with a pillow of flame. The Prince, who had been climbing up the jawbone, swung at the creature's neck to complete the pair with his earlier slice. As the cut were made, the dragon screamed a cry so loud. It would have deafened a whale pup swimming at the bottom of the lock. Next, the dragon jumped into the air and whipped the third man off with a flick of the neck. Only the prince still held on with a shaky grip to the dragon's head. But when the beast landed again on the keep seconds later, Brianet was unable to keep it. He was flung straight onto the ground by his own momentum. There was a dead silence in the room as Rabran gently turned on the spot to reflect on their final downfall. He scratched his chin wistfully. Aye our attack had been thwarted. And within moments of starting. But somehow somehow it didn't matter any more, nay. Nee, the very refusal to submit was all that were needed. He concluded, it were all it took to make a mockery of the dragon's strength. By some deep magic we knew it, but even knew, if he killed us, in some way the source of his power was gone. Saying all that, the beast took only a moment to regain his dominant airs. The dragon's spines rippled with pleasure, to be loosed of their foes. They were still dripping, you see, dripping with thick purple blood. Once quite recovered... The dragon turned his snout back towards the prince's devastated figure. See, by now I couldn't do more than stare at Falinda in horror. He looked like a kitten, pouring its prey as it placed a razor talon on the prince's head. News boot I could hear the music of the dragon lord once more. But this time it tinkled like a wind chime. So quiet I had to strain to make out the words and the verses a tongue of power and the will to face, but corrupted be he by his faith, perhaps, the creature whispered, I tried to raise my head to see me friend better, but the fall had crippled me and it were a painful struggle, perhaps the line of kings has earned to be returned the treasure of wisdom. Were the next words I could make out. Finally, I heard that sinister laugh one more time. Aye, the one sound I shall ne'er forget long as I live. The dragon launched himself off the floor and the ground quaked. Heavy wafts of air rolled over me bloody face, sending chills down me veins. At the same time, waves of relief swept across me. I could not believe me eyes. We'd survived, and the dragon was leaving. It were a miracle. I shall leave you a gift, brief son of a king, the dragon announced at full volume. A reward, shall we call it, for making me a decent fight. And at that, the giant lizard began to hack repeatedly, like something was stuck in his throat. Falende the then spat a glint of white onto the prince's chest. With that in your possession, we shall meet again. Farewell, prince. And with that, the dragon flew away, ne'er to be seen again. This excerpt was read by D.A. Clark, the author of the piece. Please note that this is a draft and as such does not represent the quality of the final version. If you would like to find more excerpts please visit anchor.fm forward slash David 908.